Hello, and welcome to Traditional Medicine Podcast. I am your host, Carl Lovick. Today, we're going to talk about marijuana or cannabis. Is cannabis considered a medicine by traditional indigenous healers? That's what we're going to talk about today. If this is the first time that you've tuned into this podcast, here's a little bit about what you can expect. We talk all things Amazonian and high Andean healing traditions of Peru. For nine years, I've been volunteering for various healers, both on the Amazonian and high Andean side of the traditions in Peru. And this podcast is really just me distilling all that experience and information that I've gathered so that you can feel a little more comfortable with these traditions, feel a little closer to these traditions. If you're ready to try out traditional indigenous medicines and healing traditions, go ahead and check out traditionalmedicinemiami.com. And whether you're trying to alleviate anxiety, depression, or maybe an addiction that you can't seem to shake off, we can definitely help you with some of our plans. We work directly with the Kiro community in the High Andes on a very special project to connect them with people that need their healing services. So if that is something you want to check out, go ahead and check out traditionalmedicinemiami.com. We'll definitely be happy to connect you. So let's get started talking about marijuana or cannabis. By now, many of us have heard the benefits that are said to come from this plant, from the use of the cannabinoids that are found within the plant, whether it's CBD or THC. I remember early on hearing how it helped people that were going through chemo because it was helping them with their appetite and also helping them through this really tough experience, which is experiencing chemo and cancer. And I I heard that and I was all in. I, I, I still feel that people should have all the options. Also, I heard about Charlotte, who was a young girl having all kinds of seizures throughout the entire day and how THC helped her basically reduce it to none. As long as she kept taking THC, she was fine. Again, I feel that I am nobody to tell anybody how to deal with existing in this world. It's not easy. And if there's something that works, I support it. And I'm still this way, but working with traditional indigenous healers has really changed the way that I view marijuana. So the first time that I ever heard of what traditional indigenous healers thought of marijuana was when I was hanging out with Gardel Vasquez. Gardel Vasquez is an incredible Amazonian healer, and him and I met on a boat ride leaving Iquitos and happened to be sitting near each other. And we got started talking about indigenous uh, ancestral science. And quickly I realized I was talking to a maestro because the depth of his knowledge was evident and it it is really tough to um, impress me. And I was very impressed. And by the end of our conversation, he said, hey, listen, do you want to come and volunteer for me? You can teach English at the village. You can help me with translations and, you know, you can learn and we can talk some more. And I said, absolutely. So I went with Gardell and I spent a few months with him and had a good time. I came back the next year to hang out with Gardell and his center was growing. And there were about 10 people um, that were sitting around after dinner. We were all just hanging out. And out in the Amazon, there's really not a lot of things you can do. And so after dinner, we're just, they're just hanging out with each other. And somebody in that group asked Gardell, hey, Gardell, what do you think of marijuana? Is marijuana a medicine? And in my head, I was like, of course, he's going to say yes, because it helps people. That should be 
what medicine is. So I'm there waiting. And I think most of us in our heads were like, yeah, this is this is definitely going to be a yes. And Gardell turns to us and says, marijuana is not a medicine. And we're like in a frenzy. We're like, Gardell, no, because look, marijuana does this for people. Marijuana does that for people. I mean, how can you say it's not a medicine? And he's like, I said what I said. Marijuana is not a medicine according to our standards of medicine and traditional indigenous healing. And we're like, well, why is it not a medicine? And he said, listen, medicine for us is not about suppressing symptoms, That is not a medicine. If you have to take that medicine for the rest of your life, that is not a medicine. So medicine for us is something that has the ability to go to the root of the problem and change it. We want something that can physically change you. We want something that can energetically change you, spiritually change you, so that problem is no longer there. That is what a medicine is, something that has that ability to do that. And we were a bit floored. <laughs> we were a bit floored. We had to think about that because our definition of medicine was always, okay, unless you're unless it's an antibiotic, unless you're having surgery to correct a broken bone or something like this, um, 80% of it is really just helping you kind of deal with life. It's, it's helping you cope with symptoms that are out of your control. But we normalize that way of looking at medicine so much that we never even thought of looking at medicine in that way because we really didn't think it was possible. 80% of it is really just trying to help people live their life and, and just finish it out gracefully. That's really kind of majority of what medicine is. And when he said that, we really were blown away. And I was still kind of reeling from what he had told me. Gardell, by the way, does a lot of free services for his community. He works with uh, domestic abuse cases. He helps the victim. He helps the abuser. He helps uh, provide free uh, addiction treatment for his community. Um, And he does so many amazing things for free. I'm going to drop the link for him and his project so that you can donate because he does all of this stuff for free. And um, he also does have a center, but he he makes sure that he's always doing free services for his community. And he would take me to his addiction cases. That's kind of how I started to become familiar with, with addiction. And I remember the first time that I had an addiction case with him was a 16-year-old who was addicted to paste or pasta. Basically, it's it's crack. And it was really a strong addiction case that we had to deal with. And I always thought, well, addiction will always be like that. It'll always be crack. It'll always be like fentanyl. It'll always be heroin, something very severe. And that's what we'll deal with. But when I came back from Peru, my first case was a a marijuana dependency case or addiction case. And it was a mother of a small child. And she came to me and she said, I can't stop smoking and I need to be present for my child. I've tried everything and I can't quit. And I've been smoking since I was eight had a she had a very tough childhood filled with abuse that's when she started coping with marijuana and now she could not she didn't have that option to stop and she needed to that really didn't sit well with me i want people to have all the options but when addiction comes into the picture everybody loses all their options so um we 
we worked on her and alleviated her symptoms and that's it. Even to this day, she does not have uh, the marijuana dependency. And for a while, her mom would always call me until unfortunately she passed away. But she was always very grateful for what we did for her. Um, and that was the first time I had seen that. And then um, and then I had seen another person, similarly a younger kid who lived the lifestyle where marijuana was very common um, in his social circles. And this is how he coped with life. And like the previous case, he said, listen, I, I can't be smoking anymore. I, I don't feel good about myself. I'm not achieving what I want to. And I don't have an option. I said, well, have you tried stopping? He said, yes. And I said, well, what happens? Well, it becomes unbearable and I have to cave in. And, you know, within four hours, I have to smoke. And I asked him how bad his urges were. I like to find out how people are doing. And I also like to monitor uh, what what kind of results we bring in. We're always checking to see how effective we are in alleviating symptoms. So he said, from one to 10, 10 being unbearable, I'm at a 22. And I said, okay. So we began to work with him with the addiction plan that we have. And after the first session, I asked him, hey, how are you feeling? And he's like, I'm at a zero. I don't feel the urge to use and, and I don't have bad urges. And I checked with him every day after that and, and it was pretty consistent. He had the break that he needed to be able to restart his life. And I was really annoyed. I really, really didn't like to hear that the people were being addicted to uh, marijuana or building these dependencies. So I thought that was the end of it. I'm like, okay, well, the worst thing that can happen is maybe like, you know, three out of 10 people will be dependent on it. Put that to rest. I'm sure other people can use it. Now, this was just old thinking still, okay, that I'm kind of telling you about. Then I was able to see that marijuana smoke is really not the best when it comes to energetics because energetic complications or delays can pass through the smoke into someone else's field. And I remember experiencing this for myself. I was sleeping in a house on the second floor and on the first floor, there were people smoking marijuana. And in my sleep, the marijuana smoke found its way upstairs. And when I was sleeping in my dream, I had a dream that I had a delay in my field. And I knew immediately upon waking up that I had a delay in my field. I'm very sensitive to these things right now. <laughs> so I was like, man, how did this happen? This is really annoying. And I did smell the smoke of marijuana. And the next day I was I was talking to the Kiro and they did a coca reading and I asked them to see what, what had happened. And they're like, well, you have a delay in your field. And I said, okay, wow. Well, how did that happen? And they're like, the smoke, whoever it was that was smoking, it had an energetic complication and through the smoke, it came and entered your field. And I was like, okay, now I'm really pissed <laughs> about marijuana um, because that is really messed up. We don't, that does not happen with tobacco. As a matter of fact, with tobacco, we protect spaces with that smoke. And you could be smoking with people that have delays in their field and that's never going to enter into your field. But with marijuana, it did. And I didn't even have to be smoking it. It just worked its way up to me and then it, it came into my field. And this is what the traditional indigenous healers from the high Andes had told me. Okay, so then we had worked on on, on a kid, uh, on a case. This person was, you know, 
uh, he was just experiencing poor health and he wasn't experiencing addiction or anything, but he did smoke every once in a while and things like that. And they found that he had a really bad case of delays in his field and we had to we had to clean it up. The curio worked on him and he was feeling much better. And when we cleaned up his field, he was feeling so good. And well, he felt like, oh, I could do anything now. But um, he ended up going to you know, New York, very little, very shortly after we worked on his field, he had a girlfriend. I mean, like, because once we cleared his field, his life was manifesting very differently. And some of those delays were blocking his romance. And again, just because you don't have a a girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever doesn't mean that you are blocked because some people just that's just not their path. But for him, it was just being blocked. Okay, so once we cleared his field, it was it was being able to manifest. So anyway, he went to He went to New York on a trip and I saw him when he got back. And immediately I realized he had a delay in his field and I was pissed. I was like, damn, we worked so hard on you. But I didn't I didn't say that. I said, hey, how have you been feeling? And he's like, "Uh, I've been feeling anxious, you know, uh, depressed, worried. And I said, "Okay, what did you do differently? Did you do anything when you were in New York? Um, I don't know. I said, did you smoke weed? And he said, yes. And I said, who'd you smoke with? And then he told me who it was. And then I was like, "Uh oh, we better check you out. And I said, hey, can we check you out with the Kiro? He said, yeah. So we did a coca reading. And sure enough, he had a delay in his field. And I said, how did he get that delay? And the Kiro said, he was hanging out with people that had delay in their fields. And he was smoking marijuana with them. And I was like, okay, so so the delay went through the marijuana smoke. They're like, yes. And it was it was not cool. Because a lot of people are smoking with people that have energetic delays in their field. But energetically, they don't know what's happening because people just don't know these things. So just to wrap things up, cannabis is not seen as a medicine from traditional indigenous healers perspective. In fact, it's actually a liability in terms of the smoke. And it's also we know now that that it brings about the possibility of being dependent on cannabis, which isn't great either. Am I telling you not to reach for cannabis if you're feeling physically, mentally, emotionally diseased by whatever it is that you're experiencing? Absolutely not. Grab whatever you can in the middle of that ocean, whatever floating log, grab onto it and just hang in there. What I am saying is that there are a lot more options than you think. We have way more things that alternative medicine and complementary medicine has. The only thing is we've been bullying traditional indigenous healers out of that sphere for such a long time. We don't even know these things exist. But the truth of the matter is, and sadly, a lot of the cases that are deemed hopeless um, in biomedicine end up coming to traditional indigenous uh, healers and then they're able to turn those cases around, but but no one even talks about it and, and everyone knows it's happening. So why not integrate biomedicine and allow a space for traditional indigenous healers to come in, offer what they have been perfecting for thousands of years? Now, if that tomorrow of integrative medicine isn't here, be aware of the fact that you have options. Be aware that there are solutions to alleviating the anxiety that you're experiencing, the depression you're experiencing, suicidal ideation that you're experiencing, addiction that you're experiencing. You don't have to just limit yourself to 
cannabis. There are more options. So with that said, I want to let you know, <laughs> I only sweep the floors around here. This is just, this is what they have said. I will bring healers on to this podcast. Uh, definitely the next season when I have all the equipment I need so you can hear from them. But I can tell you for sure, this is what I have seen. This is what I experienced. This is not what I thought going in. But after this journey, this is how I've been seeing things. And it's because of what they've told me. And it's because of what they showed me. All right. So follow us on Instagram. Uh, drop us a note. If you need anything, if you have any questions, go ahead and let us know. Uh, Instagram is Traditional Medicine Miami. And if you go to our website, you can also connect with us there at traditionalmedicinemiami.com. Thank you so much. You have a great day or night and we will talk to you soon. Bye.